Hey, hi, and hello, my friends. Thank you for downloading and listening to Maine ASCD, the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Drewett-Card. I'm excited today because I'm going to be talking to our the Maine ASCD December 2019 member spotlight, spotlight a member, uh, Paula Bork. You can find her online at LitCoachLady on Twitter, uh, paulabork.com. Uh, she's a literacy coach and in the Augusta School District, and uh, she's a an amazing educator. She does great work with her learners, and she's a personal inspiration of mine uh, as uh, she and I both do sketchnoting. We talk a little bit about that at the beginning of the episode um, because sketchnoting is just this wonderful way of uh, differentiating and doing and learning in a different way and deepening that level of higher order thinking. Anyway, we'll get into it in the episode, but I wanted to thank you again for listening and downloading. Um, if you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe to this so you all get all of your episodes right there in your uh, podcast feed. Um, and feel free to share this with other folks. Uh, anyone can listen. It's free. Um, and we appreciate you taking the time. If you have any questions or you want to be on the podcast, uh, if you want to uh, learn about our innovative, uh, individualized, personalized, professional learning opportunities, go to mainascd.org. There you can find information about our suite of micro-credentials to help you as the educators become whole child certified. Um, and also other opportunities from our friends and partners down there in New Hampshire, New Hampshire ASCD. There are some opportunities coming up, conferences from there, and Maine ASCD members get a discount. So all you need to do is contact us for that information if you wanted to go to those and get the main ASCD discount. Thank you again for listening. Enjoy my conversation today with the lit coach lady herself, Paula Bork. So sometimes in life, you're told, don't meet the people who inspire you. Don't meet the people who you look up to because you're going to be sorely disappointed. Well, there's a person I'm getting to talk to today who does not disappoint, who does, who has been an inspiration to me personally and professionally uh, because of the sketch noting stuff that she does in particular, which is stuff we'll get into a little later, hopefully, because that's a passion project of mine. Um, but we're also talking to our December 2019 Spotlight of Member person, uh, the lit coach lady herself, Paula Bork. Hi, Paula. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Thank you very much for, for sitting in with us today. Sure. Uh, as we're recording this, it's a nice tropical uh, early December day out. Uh, absolutely no snow in the air. It's not possible. It's, it couldn't possibly be like it's my, my kid's third snow day already this year. Oh, wow. Before the Christmas holiday. I know. It's... Uh, so we'll, yeah, we'll be going to school until July. So uh, before we get started, uh, Paul, will you tell our uh, intrepid and faithful and wonderful listeners um, a little bit about yourself? So this, I'm in my 32nd year of education. I've spent 31 of those in the Augusta School Department. Uh, I've been a classroom teacher, a reading recovery teacher, a literacy specialist, uh, and um, the past, I don't know, dozen or so years now, I've been a literacy coach uh, at all four of the elementary schools in the district. Um, I've written a couple of books with uh, Stenhouse Publishers, uh, Close Writing, and just recently Spark on Quick Writes uh, to ignite the hearts and minds of classroom um, teachers and students. And, um, and I just like to do just about anything there is with literacy. 
So just quickly, what is a quick write? So quick writes are just uh, kind of down and dirty, uh, getting your thoughts on paper. I, I call it, it's like thinking and inking. It's, it's just a different way to think. It's, it's thinking through your pencil or through your keyboard. Um, what you want to try to do is just get your ideas down faster than your filter tells you that this is not a good idea or that you need to <laughs> overthink something. It's really just a way to um, process thoughts, feelings, questions, wonderings um, in a different way. And it really does shape, shape the way you uh, take in information, too, if you do them enough. So I love it. it. I've been in it, classrooms for a couple of years now. It seems like that's something that holds a lot of people up when they're either trying to write or get their ideas across is that they kind of get in their own way. So, so this, is, this sounds like a way uh, in which to um, get beyond that, just to learn the ideas of getting all the ideas out. Just there's no such thing as a bad idea. There's just bad implementation of the ideas. Right. It's just, it's just think about it like as a stream of consciousness. You can go back and mine it for nuggets later if you want to, or you can just, you know, uh, appreciate the process of being able to think in a different way and, and not necessarily have to feel an obligation to go back and revisit it or revise it. Or um, it's just, I just want to expand what our um, definitions of writing are and our understandings of writing and our appreciation of writing. And this, that's one way. And sketch notes is another way that we can talk about too in a little bit if you want. But Well, let's um, talk about it now while we're there. Okay. All right. Yeah. So uh, what I want kids and adults to do is just is, is not to be so intimidated by writing and, and think about there's so many different ways that we can write and we can communicate ideas um, through writing. And so about five years ago, I started um, noticing that I never went back and looked at any notes that I took. <laughs> I'm conference. laughing because that was the that was the exact same method that I had. I was like, I yeah. never I, I take these copious notes. Yeah. And I don't do anything with them. Right. I mean, I used to, I, I would I'd annotate books or I would take notes or I would, and then I thought, oh, wow, I can type really fast. I'll type those notes. And <laughs> I, never once would I go back and, and um, take a look at them. And so about five years ago, I was at an NCTE conference and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try the sketch noting thing that is. Um, it's uh, the National Brown Council for Teaching English, right? Yes. Okay. Um, Doodle Revolution was the first book that I looked at and um, by Sonny Brown. And and, and it's not even for educators. It was like for sketchnoting came in the, out of the business world um, for how to, for people to share ideas. And so my first sketch notes were basically just boxes and bullets. There was like really not much sketching, just sort of um, framing my ideas. But then I went back and afterwards I wanted to go back and look at them. So I started adding a little color to them. And I, I found that when I started taking notes this way, it was almost like an invitation to to revisit that thinking. And sometimes I would, I would embellish or add on, um, but it, it definitely was much more engaging and I found myself going back to those notes. And then I, I started looking into the research and um, you know, there's this whole idea of dual coding theory with um, Alan Parvo, I think is his name, um, that looks at you know, the verbal and the visual centers of your brain are both being activated as you are taking these notes down. So it gives you just more neural pathways to retrieve that information. And then now they're even looking at, you know, it's almost like a tri-coding because you, you put in the, the verbal, the visual, and the motor. Right. It just gives your, it just gives your brain um, many more pathways to lay down information and retrieve that information. So I've been doing those sketch notes in classrooms the last couple of years with kids too. And um, they love it. It's not, you know, it's, it just makes, a place for everybody at the table, whatever your level of writing ability is to be able to get your ideas down on paper. So. Oh, I can't agree more. I mean, it's one of those things that I've, that I found we, uh, 
in the district that I work in, we are, uh, we use the Marzano taxonomy of learning to really yeah. help us get to understanding of the standards and proficiency. And it's a whole matrix, a whole thing that we use. But one of the things that I've noticed and found, and again, as you're talking about research, it really supports it, is in this hierarchy of, of uh, learning, of teaching, and going from the lower level of retrieval all the way up to this knowledge utilization, metacognition level, there's a, there's a, a step that's been missed by almost all educators across the span. I mean, not in the elementary levels, because there's just a, lot of, uh, a lot of pictorial stuff done there, but there's this step called symbolizing. And it's, you know, depicting the critical aspects of the content in pictorial or symbolic right. form. And we often go to the words right away, to the text right away. Yet, figuring out a way to take the content beyond just a description or an explanation or paraphrasing, a summarization, before we can get to the analysis, can we depict it in a different way? That, right. often, that often gets skipped. And that's one of the things that I've found in my journey of sketchnoting, which I'm still very much in the framing. I do some pictures. I do a lot of things with coloration now, but, but it's, it's, it's all what makes sense to you. Um, but what I've found is that I don't have to go back to those notes because I retain so much more information. And I can just look at the notes and then remember so much more of the conversation or the meeting that I was in because I've taken the time to synthesize it and create a pictorial representation in my own yeah, I mean, there's so so much of the higher order thinking skills has to go into creating a sketch note because first you have to determine importance you have to synthesize information right. you have to visualize information and try to synthesize it down into an image an icon a couple of keywords so there's really so much processing going on in your brain and then when when you do go back and revisit them, it's just at a glance, that whole scheme is reactivated. You don't have to read your two pages of notes. You can, you look at that image and you just, all of that starts coming right back. Just, it's just, it's such a powerful tool. I just, I can't say enough about it. I, I, I can't agree. And I'm, I'm hoping that people listening to this will say, oh, I've, I've heard about this. And here's one of the things that I like to, to preach from my top of Mount Pius, whatever you want to call it. Um, you don't have to be a good drawer to sketch note. Absolutely. In fact, that can get in your way. Like you, it you does. About the artwork. Yeah. People worry too much about, I can't draw, I can't do that, I can't. If you can draw certain symbols, like a circle, a triangle, a rectangle, a wavy line, an arrow, if you can make those things, you can sketch note. It's well, all just about make, make a representation. Yeah. It's, I mean, what, what writing is, is a series of straight lines and curved lines. And whether it's English or Arabic or a doodle, they've just become agreed upon these these squiggles are going to represent this and mean this and so it's just as legitimate to to have handwriting as it is to have a, a quick sketch or a doodle and i mean sometimes when we can get kids past that i'm not an artist um i don't know how to draw and we we show them a couple of things and they all they all know emojis and emoticons and things like that 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 represent ideas and so once we start showing them those kinds of things and how simple it can be um there's so much more engaged in fact the kids who are the the artists in class often have a little harder time because they they want to spend so much time making it look so good right but, the, the, the the aesthetic behind it the visualness yeah. of it becomes more so than the representation of it um but that gets back to the quick rights which is the entire purpose right. of the quick rights is to get your ideas out is to get your things out there and to not get to not do things to stop yourself to race not, ahead to, of that filter yeah right and get and that's um, one of my one of my good friends and one of my other inspiration of mine, Dan Ryder, uh, at Week of Decent, 
he always says like lean into the squish. And yes. I, I, I think that's such an important thing to help us to grow. If you're intimidated by the doodling, if the thing is like, well, I can't draw, well, lean into that. Don't, right. let's not worry about the drawing itself. Worry about the representation of it. And I think that from a, a level of being challenged and from being engaged as learners and also the level of supporting all of our learners, the quick writes and the sketch noting and these things are amazing tools to really help our students deepen that level of understanding so they can get to that higher up lower thinking of analysis, of knowledge utilization, metacognition, et cetera. Absolutely, yeah. I so, so I could talk about this stuff with you all day. Um, but, and you know, yeah, yeah, whereas it is, it is uh, snowing out today, you know, pull the curtain back, we are recording this when we, when we both have snow days. Um, because we will have other busy lives and busy work going on in our regular lives. So we right. took a little bit of time out of our personal lives. But let's talk about your member spotlight because one of the, one of the things that we're very excited about is to have, have you highlighted as one of our main ASCD uh, members um, doing some great things. And we asked a couple questions along the way. So um, what is your one go-to resource that you today you just can't live without? So, I mean, I think social media, um, because it connects me with so many um, other passionate educators, um, Twitter and Facebook in particular. I mean, I, I tried Instagram for a while, um, and I tried following some people, but I found there were so many influencers on Instagram that yeah. just wanted to direct me to their teacher pay teacher page that um, I, I, I lean into Twitter and Facebook a bit more um, with the people that I follow. and. Um, and there's people locally, uh, you know, not, it's not, it's just not, you know, nationwide or worldwide. Some of the people that I work with in other buildings are on these social media sites too. And so that I'm able to connect with them on a daily basis if I want to. So, um, and that's, I mean, it's just, that's where I get so many ideas and resources and networking kinds of connections that I just, I, I can't imagine um, teaching today without the, that as a resource. What I find interesting about your answer in particular is that, um, you're our fifth member spotlight, I believe. Uh, that was me, Shannon, Lee, Mary. Yeah, you're the fifth. And every single one so far has said social media. Twitter or Facebook. A couple have said Pinterest. I, I'm, I haven't, I haven't dived deep into the Pinterest thing beyond, you know, recipes. I can get um, lost on Pinterest, so I have to be careful. <laughs> right, but I, but I don't I, visit it as often. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's such a powerful tool. It's just, it's been a game changer, you know, in my career, so. I agree. It, get, it gets a bad rap. It, it sure it, does, yeah. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of stuff out there. But what I found is that the edu sphere, the tw uh, teachers have carved this nice little corner of the internet in the Twitter sphere, and it's just nothing but support. Right. I mean, you can choose who you follow. So, and that, that too. especially with Twitter, that's a nice thing, you know, um, it's, you design, you know, your own PLN, your own network um, by who you choose to follow. And I think that's, that's part of what makes it so powerful. So speaking of the, uh, your followers and the thing that you follow, uh, who are your top five people or organizations that you follow online? Right. So <laughs> I've that was a hard one because like trying That's to nail one. it down to five or even think about the five. But I mean, there's a couple, I, I, I'm a huge, um, follow of Donna Lynn Miller, um, the book whisperer. I, you know, she's just so no nonsense. The things that she shares, um, she vets, she's just such a powerful go-to. Mm. Um, but there's a couple like the cult of pedagogy, Jennifer Gonzalez. Oh, it's amazing. 
um, she's she's filled with ideas. And uh, Angela Watson, who's got Cornerstone for Teachers, I I, I follow that one each week as well. But um, you know, We Are Teachers is a great site that I follow. Um, and then you know, there's just a, a there's a bunch of people that I've met at different conferences and things that you know I follow. There's too many you know to name every single one of them. But those the you know those groups are are some of my go tos as well. Um, uh, Edutopia. Yeah. I mean, I tend I tend to follow anything sure. Edutopia pops up as well. well no, they 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 do a good job of curating really good resources. Yeah. And, yeah. and and producing really good stuff as well. And I cannot agree with you anymore on uh, Cult of Pedagogy with Jennifer Gonzalez. Yeah. Um, not only the stuff that she posts online, but her podcast is also really, really, really good. Yeah, um, yeah. I, just, I definitely download her podcast every time they're out too, so. Uh, yeah, so, um, so uh, we at Maine ASCD and ASCD in general um, build and structure our, a lot of our stuff, pretty much everything around this whole child framework. Right. Um, whole child framework has five tenets that are uh, engaged, challenged, supported, safe, and healthy. Um, we tend to believe, and it's a hill that we are willing to die on, that school shouldn't be just about academics. Right. That to, if you really want to focus on teaching and learning, it can't just be. It has to. You have to really do. Oftentimes, we say this a lot: do the Maslows before you can do the Blooms. Absolutely. You have to. You have to make those places safe. You have to make them engaging. They're supported and student-centered, it's really what it all comes down to. So of those tenets, what do you feel are your strongest? And again, another hard question because they're all inter interconnected. Where, where, are you, where are you leaning as soon as I started picking one, I started thinking, yeah, but that's also this one and this one and this one. But yeah. I, I think as a coach, I'd, I'd have to say supported is the tenet that I lean on the most. Um, you know, I, that's my role. I'm, I'm there to support teachers who support kids and um, it's all about those relationships that you make with those teachers and with those, with those students so that everybody feels supported, willing to take risks, um, know that somebody cares about them. And so, and, and as I started, you know, trying to choose the one, I, I realized, you know, well, it's all about making everybody feel safe and challenged as well. Cause you're, you know, you're not going to take risks if you're not supported and you're not going to be challenged, but, right. um, so as a literacy coach, I'd have to say, you know, the tenant uh, supported is the one that I would probably lean into the most. Um, how have you seen, just, just quickly, then we're going to start wrapping up because I want to talk about the main literacy council in a minute too, because I'm not supported, but how have you seen the role of coaching change over the years? Because it, it has gone through yeah. some significant changes. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I say every day, I, I almost wished I'd, I'd gotten a psychology degree along with all my literacy specialist degrees because- right. I mean, so much of what I do with teachers is is a support that is is it a social emotional piece for teachers as well. It's teaching is hard, and they oh. there are some challenges that you know they we can't get through the day without tears. Um, but so that's T E A R S, right? Not yeah. T I E R S. T E that yeah, crying, yeah. weeping, not those, the little liquid eye tears, <laughs> right? The liquid that comes out of our eyes. It's a bit salty. Exactly. Um, <laughs> And, and it's gotten, you know, there's the, there's all this about secondary trauma and uh, teachers are, are dealing with a lot of um, issues um, that they need some support with. So sure do. that's the, that's the part of my role I think has changed the most is I really want to be there for them. Definitely with literacy ideas and educational and instructional coaching, but sometimes it's just, it's, it's some social emotional coaching as well and some support. So I think that's, 
that's the biggest change over my career that I've seen in my role. So you also, I mean, I, I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, I, I, I can't stand it when I hear people say, I'm one, I'm just a teacher. No, you're not just anything. Right. This is one of the hardest, most amazingly difficult, challenging, yet also rewarding jobs, their uh, careers, worlds you could possibly engage in. So to say that you're just that, no, no, you're way more than just a right. teacher. Exactly. Also those people who still say, you know, well, if you can't do teach, Go ahead, try. Oh, oh my word. Go yeah. ahead, try. There's a difference between teaching and lecturing. Exactly. There's a big difference. Anyone can lecture. Sure, you can go upstairs and you can sit in front of a crowd and talk for an hour, but to ensure that they're actually learning, that's right. an entirely different ballgame. Um, but so talking about support, um, the main literacy council. Right. That has been something that was around for a while and it's been a, a little bit on hiatus. Yeah, so yeah, about two years ago, there was, there was pretty much a handful of us who were running the organization, and it's just just the perfect storm of family crises that, sure. um, that really affected a lot of our key members. And so, you know, we, we put the group on hiatus, but I mean, the passion is just there um, to bring it back. And so we've been trying to look at ways to see, you know, what would people in Maine, professionals in Maine, um, be interested in. And so we're, we're we're thinking about regrouping in 2020 and um, and are looking for some input from people. So we've got a couple of uh, different ways that we're going to try to solicit some of that input. So we do have a, a website, Maine Literacy Council, and we've got a Facebook page too that's Maine Literacy Council. And so on each of those sites, we've got a, a little survey. If people are interested in thinking about some of those ideas, we'd love to get some feedback. And, um, and I think you're going to post those links here as well, right? The links will be posted on either uh, directly on the, the social media stuff or I'll create a document that has them all right there. Super. And they'll be in the yeah. show notes as well. So yeah, that's mainliteracycouncil.org and facebook.com slash mainliteracycouncil is where you can find those things. Um, speaking as the current uh, president of Maine ASCD, I'm fairly confident that perhaps the Main Literacy Council and Maine ASCD could collaborate we, you know, and that's one of the forward. things that we put on there was on the survey was some collaboration with some other groups, with some ed camps or some other groups, because I mean, there's just, there's so many people out there that there are. Uh, are passionate, who are really want to do what's best for kids and teachers and community. Um, I think we need to pool our resources. So that's definitely something I would be interested in looking into. We've, we've talked about that a lot ourselves. We've been in contact with some other uh, associations and organizations across the state as well to do, ex and actually regionally um, as well, uh, to do that yeah. exact thing thing because, you know, the conference model, for example, is really hard to sustain right now. It is. Um, and it is. So, that we, so if we want to support our educators, we have to think of different ways of doing that. And so right. um, I think all of us are kind of in the same boat of that way of trying to figure out how to navigate this new this new world of how to support each other and with the end goal of making the world a better place for our kids, for our learners. Absolutely. And, I, and the there's probably some people out there who have some ideas and um, we just like to, to hear from everybody, like what, what your needs are and how they can be best met and, and maybe even what you can offer uh, to the literacy community out there. So love and to you hear from Yeah. And you also help mm -hmm. run, organize the literacy-based uh, ed camp. So right. I, I the, there's a um, NERD camp, Northern New England. I'm, I've just been attending that one. There's a great um, okay. group of people who've been, who've been organizing that. Um, but that's one of my favorite.
at EdCamp 207, Maine EdCamp. I mean, we, we've got, in Maine, we've got some amazing teacher-run um, opportunities that I really encourage people to take a look at um, as a way to either just, you know, to learn from or to um, participate in actively and share, your, share all the great things that are going on in your classrooms as well. So if they wanted to, anyone, our listeners, we'll start, we'll, we'll wrap this up now because I've taken a significant amount of your time and I appreciate it, but they, well, they can find you online on Twitter at litcoachlady. Yes. Um, they can follow your blog at litcoachlady.com. And of course, the mainliteracycouncil.org, facebook.com, mainliteracycouncil. Um, anything else you wanted to share with our listeners? Uh, you know, a lot of those links are on my um, website too. If they go to paulaburke.com. Um, they can um, get links to any of those kinds of things there as well. Paula, it has been wonderful talking with you. Thank, thank you, you Matt. So, thank you so very much for joining me and congratulations on being our 2019 December member spotlight. I'm humbled and honored. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for downloading and listening to Maine ASCD, the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at MainASCD, that's M-A-I-N-E-A-S-C-D. You can follow Paula Bork at LitCoachLady, L-I-T-C-O-A-C-H-L-A-D-Y. You can follow her blog, which is LitCoachLady.com. You can find her, also her website, PaulaBork.com. Also, uh, follow and I'll follow the links to Maine Literacy Council, the MainLiteracyCouncil.org, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash MainLiteracyCouncil. You can follow me. Uh, I'm Matt Drewett Card. You can follow me on Twitter at Drewett Card, D-R-E-W-E-T-T-E-C-A-R-D. And on Facebook, you can follow us, uh, facebook.com slash MainASCD. Uh, thank you very much for listening again. We'll talk to you soon.